Welcome to episode five of Beef Station. Here with you again is Oscar and Andrew. All right, so today is our horror movie spectacular. Well, before we get into it, we sound so good. Don't we sound New amazing? Mics, don't we sound beautiful? Oh, Listen to these yeah. dulcet tones, baby. We've each got our own mic, which means that if I want to, I can totally cut Oscar out of the podcast <laughs> and then bring it. it back in at my discretion. Um, which I'm sure our, our brand new listeners mm. listening on the internet now yeah. would be very grateful oh, for. Oh, so good. We've got people listening. We've had people listeners. I, I mean, I realized afterwards they're probably just using fucking VPNs, but <laughs> um, but we've had listeners from Japan, from the US, from we've, the we've UK. We've probably had one of our mates who we don't realize is on holiday in Japan right now that's <laughs> downloaded. Most it. likely. But if you are that mate, tell us fucking who you are because it doesn't tell us. We so, would love, yeah. to, know. If you don't know us, love to know. If you don't know us in real life, maybe we'll put like an email address in the description of this video or something. If you don't know us real life fucking let us know because yeah. i'd be so curious to oh, know amazing. how you have managed to tune into our nonsense yeah. while you're still here because a uh, funny story oscar got told by a friend that she had listened to it and she got told to listen to it by someone that we don't know we don't even know so yeah, yeah. that's uh, so, cr- absolutely crazy town. people are so talking awesome. about beef station on the streets yeah. in their in their in their their, their offices talking yeah. to it and recommending it to colleagues you're fools i don't know what you're doing yeah. are you putting your reputation on the line um, well, we bloody love you for it so this is the first episode that we're recording after having posted after them on the put, internet, yeah, we banked a whole up. bunch of them. So if the thousands of you out there that are listening are wondering why haven't, we haven't addressed <laughs> our um, our global success just yet, well, yeah. it's because everything up until the Ocean's Eleven episode um, that we released the other day yep. um, hasn't. We sort of banked a few, and that the Ocean's Eleven one was the last one that we recorded before we started. Posting yeah, we, stuff we, we were still there. figuring ourselves yeah. out. Yeah. Um, this week we're going to be talking about some horror movies that we've watched recently. Yeah, we little, watched little we watched one today. Yeah, Bonanza. <laughs> <laughs> so we or it's watched, not that. No, it's not. We watched one today. Bonanza is a bit of a weird word as well, isn't it? It kind of sounds like banana. <laughs> oh, did I catch you off guard yeah, there? Yeah. You spooked? <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> so, so we watched Hereditary this afternoon. Oh boy. Um, which is a kind of thriller, kind of horror movie directed by. Ari Aster, who uh, uh, apparently I was I was getting told by Pat, who recommended yeah. that we see the film. Friend Shout out of to Pat, friend of the show, He's, Patrick. Um, we're planning on doing an ep involving him, so yeah. um, if that all goes to plan, that'll be great. <laughs> um, yeah, so directed by Ari Aster, who apparently has not done that much. He, yeah, he did. Pat said that uh, the strange thing about the Johnsons, which is a short film that he directed, was excellent and apparently worth seeing. But Munchausen, other than that, something else. Just, so he did six short films. Okay, He's credited right. on six short films, and then Hereditary, which is a big fucking thing. Okay, so this might be his first big major yeah release. I think it is I think it's um, pretty much his debut and th- very then strong again, then again we saw it at a kind of an alternative little cinema so I don't even know if it has a proper main release but it's definitely at yeah, the I'm local sure. palace that we have in Canberra yeah 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 um, just for all, for all you listeners for all in you Japan, interstate <laughs> international listeners yeah that's right yeah <laughs> okay um, yeah but so we, we might get into so we're going to talk about a, 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 a slathering of films yeah. today um, we've seen a couple of because um, I'm basically I, I uh, went through a significant number of years mm. actively avoiding watching horror films. Yeah. And I just well, generally don't like them. I think that's often because when you think about horror movies, often you think about um, them as having, like they're all just full of jump scares and like it's all like... I think, yeah, a lot of them Because I yeah. remember I watched um, The Exorcism... We, we watched The Exorcism of Emily Rose we ages ago. We fucking did. I remember that film. And that was just mostly like some woman screaming and like this demonic possession stuff yeah. and I don't think that was particularly um, no. particularly it had like one bit that was particularly scary and then the rest of the yeah. film was just fucking boring and it was like someone running out of a hospital for 40 minutes <laughs> yeah so, you know, we were talking a couple weeks ago um, or maybe last episode about comedy and about how comedy is always subjective yeah um, I mean we're always talking comedy <laughs> 
Uh. Yeah, that's right. Uh. Uh, so we were talking about how comedy is always kind of subjective and there's different kind of comedy films that will appeal to different people. Yeah, that's true. Whereas action yep. might be more broad. And I think, interestingly, in the same way, with a lot of the horror movies that are out there in the ether, mm. they sort of appeal to different people's ideas of what might be scary. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so, as an, as an example of that, I watched It, the remake of the Stephen King book. Yep, um, came that out came 2017. Out- 2017. Sure, I watched that the other day, um, and Directed I wasn't by Andy Muschietti. Okay, sure. So I, I watched that, and I wasn't particularly scared by it at all. Right. Uh, but it was full of like this. Um, so it's about this killer clown that kills. Does anyone not know? Yeah. What whatever. It is. About. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, people in you know all our listeners in Japan might not be as necessarily across. <laughs> Stephen King hasn't made <laughs> as, it across there yet. That's right. Um, <laughs> most so, most um, prolific author in the entire yeah. world. I, I just meant to say it's it's about sort of this this killer clown that kills children in the 80s, and so it means it has lots of shots of this demonic. Cl- clown thing that sort of is all twisted and sort of his head does this 360 and he sort of limbs that crackle over the place and it has right. lines of teeth um, and if you're scared of clowns specifically I imagine that film will be a fucking nightmare but for me I did sort of didn't care it was kind yeah, of a bit comic yeah. Yeah, for me yeah. um, but I then- heard I heard about that film that it was it was a series of very well made jump scares so it was basically nothing yeah. more to it well that. see I definitely think because um, then the reason why I brought up it was because there's Definitely a lot more films that you sort of have in your little list there that aren't necessarily as b- about jump scares, in my I opinion. Think my list is perfectly normal size. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's an not average a, size list. It's not about the size of your list. It's about what you do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's about what's on the list. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, right, so a lot of the films you have in that little list there, I think, aren't necessarily about jump scares as much as they are about creating this unsettling tone and atmosphere. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So, uh, should we should we get stuck into the first one other than it then, or yeah, sure. About that? Other so, than the other, other than one, what? Other, other than <laughs> other than the second the second item on this. Other list. than the clown film named it. No. <laughs> other than the uh, adaptation of Stephen King's novel It, which is how we'll refer to it. <laughs> Every single time, Every single time from now on. to avoid my my nonsense. Yeah, let's say it twenty seventeen or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> let's let's not plan it beforehand, hey, because they planned it before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was about to do the same thing. This is gonna be a good episode. Be... Buckle up, listeners. Uh, I'm sorry in advance. Okay, so the uh, I I saw recently by myself, which was not a good decision. A quiet place. So it's interesting talking about like you picked out a quiet place. Yeah, I went sat there, yourself and down. Then, yeah, and the then quiet place what movie did you watch? Cinema Eight in uh, Palace Electric. Did you watch it in a quiet place? Coincidentally, um, yeah, it was pretty quiet. And so the the movie that showed was weirdly enough a quiet place. Uh, so strange, considering that I also bought that ticket. Oh, the 2018 John Krasinski film starring yeah, yeah, Emily yeah. Blunt and John yeah. Krasinski. Right. Yeah, oh, exactly. you should have said so. No, yeah, okay, starring yeah. e- Emily Blunt and. Her husband, John Krasinski, which is another thing that I think is interesting to talk about, that yeah. having the two lead people in a film also be Actually married be in a relationship. and have one of those people be the director of the film and acting a main character. Well, I think he That's wrote it, intense. or maybe he directed it, but he liked the script somewhere. He ha- he had the script in any case. And right, he was looking was for like, casting the yeah. woman who was going to play his wife. And I think he, he had the script at home and Emily Blunt like found the script and liked it so much that she was like, oh, like f- yeah. fuck whatever actress you have like almost locked in. Yeah. Um, I want to be in this film. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, damn it. Why did I marry a great actress? <laughs> Just in terms of like the, the whole jump scare slash yeah. suspense balance. Because it seems like, I don't know. I, for me personally, those two things are, are, um, are sort of at... Or going into Hereditary, I thought that jump scares, jump scare horror films and suspense-based horror films were mutually exclusive, mm. right? I thought that you could either build suspense and have a really... And I think, to be honest, well, I think jump scares are easy. Yeah, I, think well, you I can don't always necessarily think they're going to be 
always mutually exclusive. No. Maybe maybe that's what you're leading up to because none of us have really watched that. Many I don't know. We'll have to see when I get there. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, then I, I don't think that they're actually exclusive, but I think movies trend one way or the other. Um, sure. And I think that, yeah, it, it was interesting because A Quiet Place sort of dispelled that for me because the first vast majority of that film, yeah. I think maybe first half... That's a weird way to say vast majority. So the first, I think the first half of that film is is, is suspenseful establishment. Yeah, if, and then the if second, anything, the first half would be not a majority not at a all. Not a majority at all. It would be an, an exact non-majority. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I think the first, uh, I just couldn't remember where they bring in the thing. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. So uh, just as a heads up for the rest of this podcast, um, yeah, or this we, episode, we we're going to be real spoilery. Yeah, we, we didn't mention in the first couple episodes that we've recorded already, but we've had some feedback now. I think we wanted to emphasize, I don't think we're really going about this film podcast making reviews of these films per yeah. se as they are more discussions. Yeah. We're still figuring it out, but yeah. in general I think we're we're more interested in um talking about the films after we've watched them than we yeah. are in in giving you a review that then you should base a exactly. decision on going and seeing the film. So I, I think this is going to be a better listening experience if you've seen the film. So I, yeah, and so I think it's safe to say that we're going to be probably spoiling definitely films Absolutely. significantly throughout this podcast. And I think in the past if we're about to say something that's really spoilery, we'll say it. Yeah. But I think it's but, safe to assume that if you really care about seeing Hereditary or A Quiet Place. What are you, what are you doing still listening? You saw the title of the podcast. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I reckon yeah. go go watch them and then come back and listen to this later. Because well, I think we might be accidentally or intentionally ruining parts of the films that it might be best yep. to experience on your own. So just as an overview, we're going to talk about A Quiet Place. We're going to talk about It a little bit, unless we already said everything that we want to say about that. We're going to talk about Killing of a Sacred Deer. <laughs> yeah. uh, as well, which we think fits in kind of thematically with these other films and, yeah. and might be interesting to compare, and also Hereditary. Right. But I mean, I think we'll, we can have all the films that we're going to talk about in the title of the film. Oh, right. Yeah, so if we, if we don't exist. Yeah. So if, if we haven't, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But the, the point is, I reckon definitely, definitely go watch these movies, especially because with horror films specifically, I think it definitely helps a lot to have no idea what the film's about. Absolutely. Because um, you were talking about in The Quiet Place, the yeah, first half I an hour. I did not know. You have no idea what it's about. And no. I sort of knew. So here we go, the first spoiler of the thing. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about how the how, the, how a Quiet Place kind of starts and about the setting and how it sort of leads you into the film? Yeah, definitely. So um, the establishing uh, scene, I guess, in A Quiet Place is, is uh, uh, there's a family um, or a group of people, I guess, you find out they're a family, um, and they <laughs> go around. Well, actually, I was wondering, I was, uh, I was asking the question of myself, I thought, are these people just groups of people? Is, are these scraggly survivors or is it actually a family? And it yeah. turns out, yeah, they're a family. Um, and they've gone down to... Um, the general store to get some drugs for one of them that's got some sort of illness. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting and the thing that really is so enthralling about this film is it straight away very clearly establishes through the camera work and the sound that these people are trying their absolute hardest to not make any noise. Yeah, and they're sort of hiding from something and they're afraid. Yeah. And you don't well, really don't, have any idea it why. It feels like they are hiding, but I've, yeah. I also felt like retrospectively, if I thought about why that was, I actually felt like I thought they were hiding because I expected there to be something exactly. that they were hiding from, not because the film actually gave me an indication that they would be hiding. And that's all about um, subverting your expectations 100%. and not knowing anything yeah. about the film because yeah. you go in there and they're sort of trying to be low and small and they're trying to yeah. sort of maintain... They're not wearing shoes. That was the yeah, thing that really did it for me. all sorts of tiny little details. Yeah. Like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, they're, they're not wearing shoes. They're sort of and the way that you see the... Because the, the, the mum needs to get a pill... Emily Blunt needs to get a pill bottle down from yeah. a shelf mm-hmm. and you can see her like very carefully like, like reach up and move one of the pill bottles to the side and place it down without yeah. rattling any of the pills yeah. inside it. And then she gets another one and you can hear it just makes noises every now mm. and then. She's real tense. 
and everything. So, yeah. yeah. I think it makes it hard to recommend horror films or sort of market them because often a lot of the film is like, oh, here's the premise of the film. You know, like the Ocean's yeah. Eleven. It's George Clooney and co. Uh, these um, it's bunch a of con movie. men who go and rob a casino. Yeah. And you're like, right, that sounds great. Yeah. But with like, for example, the way that our friend Pat recommended Hereditary, he was like, it's great. Trust me. Go see it. Go see and it. You just I'm not to. telling you anything else. Because yeah. with A Quiet Place, John Krasinski was on talk shows and stuff. And he was people would ask him, you know, because he's there to sell the movie. People yeah, would be yeah, like, yeah. oh, so what's your movie about? And he just had to have to be like, it's a set in... A town and a family has to be really quiet and you people. don't know why. <laughs> yeah. And yep. so for the first half an hour, they're being really quiet. Yeah. And the first big... Also, sorry, uh, yeah. you, I feel like you've just skimmed over it there. But actually, when you really think about it, we've seen the film, so we know why. Yeah. But that is a fucking interesting premise for a film. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was sold to go and see this movie basically just on that. It yeah. was like, they're, they're quiet. <laughs> you, were, you were one of the small minority where that cell was going to be enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know whether or not that would appeal to like lots of people because it's hard to judge mm. the audience well, of these kind of things. But Because I, yeah. I think we can say the reason why they have to be quiet is because because there are these aliens that have sort of taken over the whole of the country, at least, in the yeah. US. That By taken over, they've killed most people. Most people. Yeah. And they hunt primarily based on hearing. So they, they, have have no, s- they have no vision. So they have super sensitive hearing and they're blind. That's why they have to be quiet. And so they've modified their whole house and, and their whole also, lifestyle. And they run unbelievably fast so basically the, what what they spend the first couple of I mean if you you should have watched the movie so yeah. you know you would know that they spend uh, quite a bit of time getting to the point where if you make noise anywhere that's loud enough you can be dead will, in like they 10 will fucking seconds. kill you yeah. in like a minute yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah no I think it's closer to a minute than 10 seconds actually <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a great device for driving the suspense. It really was, yeah, and, you... and not really done before. I don't think. Um, I haven't thought of, I, I thought it played with your your senses in a really interesting way in films that aren't done yeah. very much. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so I, th- I thought A Quiet Place was really great, and it really built mm. that sense of suspense and tension. And I suppose if we had to talk about the jump scare thing, um, maybe everything that makes a loud noise and surprises you isn't necessarily a jump scare, but there are a couple in this film by necessity, only because if everyone's really quiet, the scary shit's going to happen when someone makes a big loud noise yeah, all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah. Well, it's and that first one that really fucking that, got me. Yeah, I exactly. almost half a glass of red wine all over <laughs> myself because I was holding it, which I've learned now, don't hold your drink in a horror movie yeah, ever. Exactly. Just so fucking stupid of me. Yeah. Um, um, but there's, a, yeah, a kid knocks over a lamp. Mm. And the reason why that's fucked is because you've just spent 10 minutes watching this family move around a house as quietly as possible. Yeah. And what they do is they turn... The, they've recorded the foley in this film is incredible because they've recorded like all of the sounds that you can... Like someone walks up the stairs and you hear the stairs creak yeah. and you can hear the brushing of their hand on the railing and stuff. Yeah. Like it's high fidelity like, and it makes really, you get so and, used to listening to that. As our listeners will be well aware, listening to high fidelity oh, audio. Yeah. It's just like oh. this. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this, but terrifying. Uh, and... People aren't saying stupid shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I imagine it's quite hard to imagine. Sorry. Yeah. No. So, the, yeah, you've just spent ages and you're hearing really, you you adjust. And I think yeah. that it does that very well. It adjusts to mm. you being comfortable with the quietness yeah. of the house. And then this kid accidentally knocks over a lamp and it's the loudest noise I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. I've but- been next to a Harrier doing a VTOL takeoff. <laughs> Less loud than this lamp <laughs> being a, knocked over. That's a big plane, listeners. Big plane. It's a, it's big, loud plane. It's a jet, but it's very um, loud. <laughs> um, well, and I definitely think that, like, I mean, and I think we can stop just, like, <laughs> summarizing the film in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I definitely think that um, every time, in A Quiet Place, there's a couple of times early on that it does that, and it makes this big, loud noise, and it's surprising and shocking, and then it's yeah. nothing. Like, I think one time yeah. it's, like, a raccoon that's, like, jumping off the roof. Yeah. And that, 
and like the thing where they knock over the lamp and yeah. then nothing comes of it. And it fucks I sort of, with you. Yeah. Because you know of, it's coming later. Yeah. And then I sort of feel like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like you fucking wa- wasted my... Um, <laughs> my adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. On nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I think so. The reason why I brought up the comparison between jump scares and suspense is yeah. because I felt like I went into these films kind of thinking, right, it's going to either be as soon as I realized it was a horror film, because mm. um, I wasn't actually a hundred percent certain it was before I went into it. I realized, right, this is either going to be a jump scare film or a suspense film. And so, in the first half of the film, I was sitting there being like, right, this is a suspense film, okay. But then I think what it does interestingly is when it re- when it's revealed that. So it's kind of got I Am Legend vibes to it, where like the first yeah, half sure. of the film is really establishing, and then the second half really is quiet, kind of like... sort of shows you the world that they've built, exactly, and, and sort of teaches you almost the rules of, it's a bit of how a character these characters study. are behaving. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then the second half of the film is action, basically. Yeah. It's an action movie, and it's kind of one of those like moving around the house horror sort of movies. Yeah. Um, so I think it becomes a lot more jump scary. Yeah. In the second half of the film, one of the things I really thought was great about this film was the. Oh, like we were sort of saying, the character study world building aspect of the first half of the film um, and about how it really sort of shows you what daily life is like in this new world that oh, they've built for well. you. Yeah. So, um, for example, you see all these little touches that the mother is, I assume it's the mother, whatever, um, has um, done to sort of help her kids have a great childhood but also be growing up in this weird world. Yeah. So, like, um, she's given them, like, little felt game pieces for Monopoly. Yeah, yeah. So, all the Monopoly hotels and houses are little green and red bits of felt, for example. Yeah, yeah. And then... It's like they're doing their best to live as they did before. Yeah, exactly. But you can see that they've made the adaptation. There, and I there think are no the, doors in the whole sorry. house. It's all just curtains. Yeah. Um, yep. And she has... I can't remember if there's, there's something to do with like books and the kids schooling or something that has some sort of quiet nature to it. Maybe it's that it's a whiteboard. I'm just making sure. They learned to... They, they were teaching them in sign language. Yes, so right. They speak sign right. language. That's a whole, and, that's and a whole the, device the, one of the One of the film. daughters is, is uh, deaf. She has a cochlear implant. So, and uh, of course, like with the technological mm. uh, kind of devolution that happened while they were... Well, most of the population was being killed. Um, she, something's gone wrong with it, and it doesn't work anymore. And yeah. so John Krasinski, the father character, sort of spends his free time trying to make a cochlear implant that works. Scav- scavenging old radio parts yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot that, of course. So one of the main devices in the film is that they always communicate through sign language. Yeah. Which and that's is weird one of the ways to see that... in a film. That there's almost no dialogue. Yeah, for the first cool. sort of, And so it's this formative moment for the teenage child when like the one of the first times he hears his dad like properly speak that we see we see him have a conversation with his father yeah um is when they're sort of by this huge waterfall yeah, standing under and they start yeah. speaking for once and um they actually yell out yeah exactly yeah, it's like a big release for them yeah so I, I feel like because a lot of the later parts of the film is sort of like monsters jumping out I really mostly enjoyed about the quiet place that world building aspect in this much sort of better. like it was so I, cool I, I think and I said this when when I saw it the worst thing about A Quiet Place is the monsters. It's the aliens. It's that there had to be something that was causing this world to need to be built. Yeah. I actually reckon if they could have made this film not involve those things at all, because as soon as it gives it a form and it gives this, because <laughs> you see these things, they're kind of humanoid, but they look horrifying and they've yeah. got like interesting shaped heads and shit. Their head looks like one of those Ikea lamps that blows up and compacts. I don't, you'll know the one I'm talking about if you've seen it. <laughs> I'm right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think the worst, 
I was sitting there in the film and I remember thinking like, ah, mm. oh, it sucks that it's about those things now. Yeah. Because before it was just about this kind of like, it was almost a... It sucks that they have to show you the monster. Because yeah. I think it's always terrifying yeah, to sort of I guess that's what I'm trying glimpse to say, yeah. the monster and be afraid of the monster. But then at some point they have to show it to you and you're like, uh, uh, okay. But the monster's <laughs> not the interesting thing. The interesting is what the people are doing yeah, to exactly. avoid the monster. And I thought that was one of the... So, the, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was one of the coolest bits is watching what the people are doing. And often like it was it was so well written that they would they would have to do something. Like yeah. there wouldn't be doors or they wouldn't be wearing shoes. And you'd, you'd still have to go, oh, I would never have thought of that. Or yeah. like, because some of these kids have grown up in this world. Um, they do something or they they behave in a way. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I would have never have thought yeah, that yeah, yeah. growing up without noise would affect you in that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like the idea that they're not as familiar with music as we are and that like it's this special yeah, thing. Yeah, they have together. an iPod. Yeah. Yeah, and they listen um, to music through like just earbuds. Yeah, it's cool. No, I thought it quite place is great and I definitely think that I mean it was a great film yeah because the reason why we brought it up is I assume because it has that unsettling kind of suspenseful aspect to it where often mm. you're terrified and nothing's actually happening mm. and we haven't seen anything happen yet really I think it was interesting because it's sort of one of the least horror-y horror films that I've seen but yeah. the first half was very much a horror film and then the <laughs> second half was very much an action movie yeah but uh, you know, in comparison to some of these other films that that we might be talking about, yeah. uh, with the exception of It, which you were saying is is a lot more of It 2017. Um, also, <laughs> so just gave Stephen, me a confused look. Stephen King's It 2017. Yeah, that's right. The adaptation <laughs> of Stephen King's novel It, which was made in 2017. With the exception of that film that I just <laughs> mentioned, these are predominantly not films that involve any jump scares. Yeah. Um, um, but and I definitely think that, that it, it is much heavier. On <laughs> well, what you said about it being a thriller kind of makes me think, do you, do you think that if a film... It's not a thriller. Horror, yeah. horror do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that like calling a film like a horror movie versus a thriller is almost like a status symbol like if a film's terrifying it's a horror film but if it was trying to be scary but isn't that scary like oh I think it's more of a thriller no so I could, <laughs> like, I could be wrong you can only, could like you can only call it a horror movie if it's if really it's scary quality. no see I, and I, I <laughs> you can always be like oh it might be a horror movie for you but for me it was more of a thriller well I, so the thing that did this the thing that settled this definition in my head was when I rented uh, back, from, back when fucking Video Easy was a thing I rented Jodie Foster Flight Plan and that was thriller. And so right. I, I went into that, renting that, thinking, right, this will be supernatural. It'll be horror. Mm. And it wasn't. Someone just kidnapped a fucking kid. But the point was, it's suspenseful and it's yeah, kind of a I human struggle. It it's like th I, I, thriller is like horror movie, but not that bad. <laughs> no, I think thriller is, it's not supernatural. Thriller is human ah. action, whereas horror involves something that isn't real. Right? So I reckon that thriller takes place in reality, whereas horror takes place in a super or su surreality. I wish there was some way that we could clarify and yeah, it confirm sucks that there this isn't. definition. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if, if you know, write into the show. <laughs> Open up your dictionary, tear out the page, write ours in instead. That's the only definition you'll ever need. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, I suppose that's my made up definition yeah. of, of what a horror versus a thriller is. So it's interesting because, so A, a Quiet Place, it, both jump scare based horror films yeah right killing of a sacred deer is a an extremely suspenseful it's thriller film all just suspense there's no it's... there's no supernatural shit going mm. on in there but it is terrifying well the whole film makes you i think it kind of depends on again it kind of depends on what you find scary and what you kind of relate to like like how i was saying that it might be scary for some people. I find stilted dialogue terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right. Scary so as fucking It me. seems like this whole film was created with the intention of just really kind of making you uncomfortable. Making you so uncomfortable. So the, it's been a while since I've said it, but the editing is really strange, right? They, they sort of cut 
in uh, kind of yeah. strange ways. Well, and all then... of uh, Killing of the Sacred Deers. So Yorgos Lanthimos, the director, he's a Greek director, and he also a lot more people have seen The Lobster. I think I haven't yeah. seen it, but it's very similar in its tone. Yeah, um, and so no, he th- does this weird shit. This is going to be. This isn't going to make much sense for Beef Station listeners, but in both of these films, no, none of the characters ever interrupt each other. Um. <laughs> yeah, what must it be like to live in a world? Yeah, it's a it's, it's a, horrifying. It must be a utopia. Yeah. No, it's not. It's awful. It's really it's strange. Absolutely. Hor- so and it, everyone has it, like a really you don't high... really notice this until you see a film that doesn't do it. Yeah. But if if people are writing naturalistic dialogue, responses are very quick. Like I just did to you, people interrupt each other yeah. because they have better things to say. And uh... no one's a real piece of shit in the lobster. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, the way that characters talk and interact, he's definitely made that not realistic. Is it, it Colin Farrell will finish every line of dialogue before mm. anyone responds to him? And there's no like rhetorical dialogue. Like if Colin Farrell will say something, they'll so, everyone will sort of give. There an will answer be a response. Answer yeah. completely, and they're really verbose. Yeah, more so than anyone ever really would be. Like if someone talked like that in real life, even if they didn't wait for you to finish your sentence before yeah. they said it, you'd be like, that was a weird way to say that. Yeah. yeah. And and the use of music in Killing of a Sacred Deer is also really strange. Like, all everything about the sound of the film as well just makes you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's got that, it, like, there's that extended scene that's just the girl singing. There's no um, backing music. It's just her voice. And yeah. And that's quite unnerving. And it's that, uh, we're going to burn it down, down, down song. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, I think it's that's, so... This, off-putting. So the thing about this film is, I think it was definitely really well done. Yeah, in that, well done. I really the, enjoyed if it. If the director was going for a, f- his intent was clearly to make you feel really uncomfortable while watching it, and in that sense, it was he did that really well. well it was uh, speak to yourself. I feel perfectly at home listening to Colin Farrell talk about jacking his dad off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but here's the thing. Relaxed. I think it. So, so the thing is that like it, it did that so well. It made you feel, or maybe feel so uncomfortable while watching it mm. that I almost didn't enjoy watching it at all. Yeah, right. Like That's the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, oh fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. Because <laughs> like, there's a I difference. I don't want to be sitting here right now. Yeah, there's a difference between like I think having an enjoyable experience and the film having accomplished what it wants. Yeah. And it, I think it's weird that in this case they seem to have deliberately tried to make a film that is difficult to enjoy. Yeah. Or, well, like, this is that I, I got that um, hearing people talk about Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where I like felt awkward cringe. So well. uncomfortable watching it, and yeah. someone's like, "Oh no, you, uh, you have to hate all the characters." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't want to hate all the characters. Yeah, exactly. Why would I want to hate all the characters? Why would yeah. I wish misfortune upon these characters?" And yeah, it's just like, well, I don't. I think it verged for me. I, t- I totally get that because I think it just verged on like, I don't enjoy yeah. watching this. And maybe that's the same thing that a lot of people think about horror films. Like, no, why would I go and watch a film that's yeah. really scary? And you sort of get that rush, but you don't get a rush out of just being fucking awkward it out in a cinema for two yeah. hours for me I think it was a really interesting study of what someone would do if they were placed in that kind of like wicked situation of having to because like again spoiler alert he's placed in a situation by oh to, okay so if you haven't seen the film and you're not interested in seeing it we're still going to spoil it but I'll give you a very brief overview there's a surgeon who used to be an alcoholic he operated on a patient before the movie takes place and ended up assumedly fucking the surgery up and killing the patient as yeah. a result of his drinking. So he was kind of on at the fault. Day. And that, definitely at fault. That patient's kid yeah. now comes back years later. Yeah. And, and he so was he's been seeing him since. Yeah. So he stays in touch with the with the kid and kind of forms this uncomfortable relationship with him. And there's this weird supernatural kind of power that that kid has that's never really explained but essentially the kid says yeah, it's like more of a film device yeah yeah so essentially the kids the kid says like look you're gonna have to murder one of your family members yeah otherwise they'll just sort of slowly slowly die right i thought it was kind of assumed that it was done like chemically or with something but you don't really find out it how. never really explains he's I kind taking of... action that makes these people 
they like start. It's like on the thirteenth day that you don't act. He'll, your son will start bleeding from his eyes, and then he'll die soon after yeah. that. And he'll refuse. Oh yeah, he makes them refuse food. Like it's, but it's. I think it's some weird psychological doing it. magic shit. Yeah, man. and it's, it's so. But I think the idea there is that it's not necessarily very gruesome. From like on on a scale no, of it's not. on a scale of how. F- fucked horror movies can be and or, or thriller movies um it's not necessarily that gruesome but it really is the, the the discomfort you feel watching it is really exacerbated by all this other shit the director's doing with yeah, the sound yeah, and the yeah definitely editing and the dialogue and that totally yeah and uh, like it's this is I, I think this this leads into hereditary pretty well just to jump back for a sec a, <laughs> a quiet place directed by john krasinski i think it's his first big directing thing yeah was excellent. It was excellent. So directed good. as a debut. Um, it was I really enjoyed fucking Quiet incredible. Place. I think, I think it was it's a great the... film. As much as I might talk about how the monster thing was a little disappointing, I think it really worked very well. Yeah. Um, it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was one of the better films I've seen in ages when we watched it. Yeah, definitely. It and fantastic. and for someone who generally um, doesn't go to horror films, I think it's still pretty enjoyable. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's probably going to be, even if you watch it in a large group of people with the lights on or whatever, it's going to be a fun thing to watch. Yeah. Killing of a Sacred Deer and Hereditary are sort of masterclasses in filmmaking. Like both of these films, yeah, are kind of a tour de force of different directors' styles. Yeah, and I think it, they really it really comes out beautifully shot and every sort unbelievable. of everything about the film. So so with Killing of a Sacred Deer, for example, everything about the sound and the lighting and the cinematography really comes together to complement every other part of it and enhance what yeah. it is the director was trying to achieve yeah. and whether or not I personally found that pleasurable pl- pleasurable or not to watch doesn't change the fact that it was spectacularly done yeah. and I think if that director wanted to make another film that was nothing like The Lobster <laughs> or Killing of a Sacred Deer yeah. I'd probably enjoy what he has to, d- to do because I you said they're really good yeah they are they're, they're, they're really excellent um, if you go and watch Killing of a Sacred Deer you will be uncomfortable oh yeah um, so just be aware of that going in it's just, I, I would say it is actually one of the few films I think that for me was a unique experience. I had never seen anything like it because I yeah. hadn't seen The Lobster. Um, <laughs> well, he's got a very... I've never seen anything like it because I hadn't seen the other film this guy did. But I think <laughs> to say that, because like, I, can, I can watch a director for the first time and it's reminiscent of other things that other people mm. do. Whereas yeah, I think this guy, yeah, no, Yorgos right. Lanthimos, is actually yeah, doing something that's completely No, you're right. That is fair. He's, he has such a unique style. Yeah, it's um, not like any other cinema experience. So if you yeah. haven't seen it, I would highly recommend going and seeing it. Yeah. The acting, all, of, oh, we, all the stuff we were just talking about, it's just fantastic. So you were saying that Hereditary as well is really well. Done. Yeah, so uh, Hereditary feels like it's got this just insane. Uh, most shots are in wide angles, so you get these really big, expansive kind of like canvases that the shot is built on, and that really ties together nicely with the idea that the main character, Tony Collette's character oh, in yeah. the film, is like she's an artist and she makes these monitors and sort of dioramas and yeah. sort of little landscapes. Yeah, and yeah. so often these big wide shots kind of mirror the kind of cross-section perspective you have when you're looking into like a doll's house or some kind of cross-section miniature diorama In fact, thing. the first part, the fir- the opening shot of the film literally is, does that. Yeah, it takes, it, 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 it pans around a bunch of exhibits of hers, like little, I thought it was a doll house, but it turns out it's miniatures. Yeah. And then it, Zooms it's like it's in. like in her workshop, and it's full of all the different yeah, miniatures, and setups, it, and made. it zooms in on one room in one house, and then it, it, it's amazing how realistic this thing looks. But then the door opens, and the father walks in, and that's how the rest of the film starts. It's yeah, real life, exactly, um, and, and that's just incredible. And so I think that's kind of like a, I think it, is that what tilt shift is? I think it is when you have like a, the tilt shift lens that makes everything you're looking at look like a miniature. And so yeah. sometimes you're not sure whether what you're looking at is one like of them. It's a combination of stuff. Yeah, well, I think what what the, what the lens actually is is it's um, 
the lens is physically on an axis that can pan and shift upwards and downwards. Right. Um, I'm sort of moving it with my hands. Sorry, you can, if you're listening, you sort of can't see what I'm doing. But yeah. the lens can sort of physically move and bend. Yeah. And it's the bending and the moving of the lens that means that the light enters and hits the sensor or your f- film frame yeah. in weird ways. Yeah, yeah. So it means if that you, you can control it to make everything you're shooting looking like miniatures. If we're not, if what we're describing isn't very clear, just literally Google image search tilt shift, tilt shift and you'll lens. get images that are extremely clear. Those are those are photos of actual real life things that look like toys. It makes yeah. things look like miniatures, like exactly. Because yeah. it's and it's because of the perspective and the way that light comes off yeah, it, and because and it's of blurred in the front and the back. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think. The, the point that we were talking about is that a lot of the shot setting up shots in this film, you can't really tell whether they are miniatures or shots of the actual it, it, world. It's definitely ambiguous at points. And it doesn't yeah. help that the artist is um, inspired by the fact that she sort of builds models of the world around her. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Yeah. And, and that comes to play a lot. Like she uses it as kind of a compensation mechanism for, or like a therapeutic in a therapeutic sense, yeah. like she makes models of the events that are going on in the storyline. Making these the the models of these real events that's happening to her is really interesting because the film sort of approaches mental health, mm. um, and you know I think uh, the the idea of a family history of of mental illness in in Tony Collette's character is brought yeah. up, which is interesting. That's obviously where they get the title of the film from, Hereditary. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because you you understand that she has this. Um, kind of like past history and that the there were suicides in the family, schizophrenia and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and so when you're watching her experience these things and you're watching her also be responsible for creating the models of these things, it definitely blurs and confuses whether or not the events that you're getting are her perception of the world around yeah. her or whether or not you're actually watching what's happening. But and there's a lot of stuff to do with... models pers- it shitloads. There's a lot of stuff to do with perspective in this film. Um, oh, yeah. For example, when the ki- when the, her son is high and he's driving, mm. um, the shots of the road... That's beautiful. Yeah, they're really dark and cloudy yeah, and misty and, and you can't see shit. You just basically and, see the car like driving into this thing. It's just the two headlights. It's, it's amazing. And you don't know whether that's because he's high and we're seeing his perspective yeah. or whether it is like that. And when he's in class and he's sort of like checking out this girl, the camera sort of follows where his eyes would go, which is cool. And so it's sort of... You get a lot of the perspective from different characters yeah, in yeah, that way. Yeah. And so it really sort of messes with you and you're not really sure whether what you're seeing is a character's perspective or objective truth. Yeah, it's and a little it's, bit like... there's. It's sort of unreliable narrator, but there's no narrator. It's the camera just unreliable is, character perception. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that definitely comes into play and it becomes more important a lot later in the film. Yeah. Uh, something I thought about, though, when, we were, when the film was starting up is something I think about a lot when you start to watch a horror film like this is that, like, if you don't know much about it, which I think is the best way to go in them, you sort of start and you're picking up weird little things at the start of the film being like, oh, how is this film going to try and scare me? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it opens up and there's, you know, so there's like a creepy house in the middle of nowhere and already you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like a classic horror movie house, you yep. know? And then um, <laughs> camera comes on like a creepy looking kid that's doing these fucked drawings and you're like oh no is it gonna oh yeah that's another similarity <laughs> between this and Killing of a Sacred Deer is that these they've creepy cast kids. people that look fucked yeah and and so you like, you see this creepy kid you're like oh is this gonna be a scary house in the middle of nowhere movie or is it gonna be a creepy kid movie yeah. and then you get all these weird like satanic looking symbols all over the place and you're like oh is it gonna be one of those and movies dolls that and, are and then it shows that her making these weird little miniatures oh, and you're like fuck. oh And then it all starts to come together. I was at the start of that film, (laughs) I genuinely had the thought, oh, if that were my kid, I'd just kill him. (laughs) I'd just drown him in the river. 
If they were like, no, I, no, fuck that. If my kid is like drawing satanic shit and mm. like fucking making creepy ass dolls and like <laughs> is into like cutting the heads off of shit, oh, I just be yeah. like, you know what? Um, I don't think I want you. <laughs> yeah, and so I was, yeah, exactly. And so there's all this creepy shit going on. And at the start, I was like, all right, well, maybe it won't be a, a creepy house movie, but it'll be like a creepy kid movie. And the more all these weird things sort of started to come together, the yeah. more I sort of sat there being like, oh, I'm fucked. It's I'm like, in for a while. Is this a creepy it, mother movie? It all, it all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it all sort of started to come together and started to get scarier and scarier, and all these weird elements started to combine. And by the time I realized where it was going, we were, oh, this was the most scary film I've ever seen. Okay, it was this... like this film was made exactly to terrify me. I don't think, yeah, I think that's true, but also I'm not sure that it is true because I think this film is just scary in every way. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, well, because it messes with, it does, it, do, it it doesn't stick to one like horror thing. It's thing is not that, oh, everyone's in the dark all I guess the time. So. It's like they're not in fucking space. Yeah. And there's no fear well, of a thing. I, I guess that's true because there are some bits where it's really visually intense to look at and then there are some bits yeah. where it's that suspenseful thing like the quiet place is doing. I didn't have a thought about it like that. Yeah. It's just, so there are scenes in this film that are scary and we keep using the word scary. That doesn't really do it justice. <laughs> they were They were unnerving. Um, they were horrifying. There were parts mm. of this film where I actually broke contact, eye contact with the screen yeah. because I just needed to not be looking at it. But there are parts of this this movie that happen, and they feel that way. But they're also in broad daylight. Yeah, it doesn't rely. It doesn't need the safety of like scaring you with being in the dark. It does that yeah. sometimes, but because it can, not because it needs to rely on any one technique yeah. to try and be fucked. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking more about this film the more I, the more I cast my mind back and look over my notes here. The more we um, revisit this the, trauma, yeah. The, oh, yeah. It really has been a couple hours since we watched it because we came out and we were both kind of comatose and kind of. I felt odd. Oh, yeah. I, I was kind weird. of. I was jittery was for like a, little a couple dizzy. hours. We yeah. needed to sort of reset a bit. And I didn't. Um, at, at no point. Did I was it because there there are no jump scares in this film. At no point yeah. was I did I get that huge burst of adrenaline. Um, it wasn't it was just, like that. The it terror was just, just built and constant built constant the whole time. Yeah, and so that was what I was saying. How it sort of starts with all these complex elements that you're not quite sure how they're related, and they all sort of weave themselves together into the storyline. I thought this film was really well written that way. Yeah, um, and so it starts off. Everything about this film is great. Yeah, and so the film starts off with this family and this artist who builds the miniatures. Her mother has died, and she starts talking yep. in grief counselling about how her mother was always kind of strange and sort of suffered from dementia at the end of her life. Um, and you sort of maybe see some su- supernatural stuff come up about like maybe this woman seeing an apparition of her mother or whatever. And as a, when she goes back through some of her old possessions, we see a book on like spirituality and there's this yeah. weird letter written that's like, oh, you know, d- I know we had to endure some shit, but it'll be worth it in the end. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like, it, it do- foreshadows it a little bit. Doors sort of opening mysteriously and stuff. And then that sort of falls by the wayside and it starts talking about other stuff. Yeah. And the next sort of progression in the story. Well, interestingly enough, that bit that about the door that you're talking about, actually, we don't see that opening. But what we see is the character of the mother looking at the door and being like, did you... Did anyone open that? Who opened that? Yeah, exactly. And that's, it, it's still... And that's another it, thing with perspective. Yeah, exactly. It's sticking with that theme oh, of, dude, when this you is said scary that, you said shit. I got, I got chills. I'm yeah, still, yeah, yeah. This film really messed it's, me up. It's really fucked. But, um, it's, so it's like, is are we watching something happen or yeah. are we watching the mother 
struggle with her, uh, some sort uh, of distinct, mental problem uh, being yeah, yeah exactly. kind of like uh, what's the word psychotic yeah distinct and, from reality yeah yeah and, and so what I was getting to is that this film was really well written in the way that it sort of wove together all these complex different goings on in the story and by the mm. end of it you're like oh that's what's going on oh fuck and it yeah. all sort of hits you at once as it sort of reveals it and I think it yeah. must be really interesting to be able to write a film like that oh yeah um, uh, whoever I mean uh, so Ari Ari he Asta wrote it and directed it wrote and right yeah. so he did both that is what an amazing thing to have done. I always like that when when you get like a writer-director because it shows yeah. there's like a it's unif... Like this was something you loved, A right? single vision. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. And how could you <laughs> fucking love this? I'm already learning stuff about film from this podcast. Um, we haven't really explained much about our background, I suppose. We've just been friends for ages. You studied film as like a minor. I genuinely keep forgetting that people, some might people not that are listening to this might yeah. not know us because like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? So especially, we, especially half an hour into this episode. We um, genuinely thought when we started recording this that like, it would literally just be us. It would be us. Listeners. Pat would listen because we'd tell him to. Callum would listen because I asked yeah, him to several times. That we like uncomfortably forced <laughs> into listening to it. <laughs> yeah. So and so you've you know a bit more about sort of technical film stuff because you've done a whole bunch of film courses at uni that sort of taught you this analysis, minor, yep. analytic kind of process. Yeah. yeah. I'm just the um, <laughs> the armchair film rookie along for the wild ride with the rest of the lizards. Uh, but so I already learned because you were talking the other the other day about um, the Chekhov's gun. Mm principle in film about how like if, if they show you literally if they show you a gun in the first act of a play it has to be fired in the third act of a play yeah. but in, in this film within about 10 minutes they have this kid that's like chewing on chocolate and the mum is like does that have nuts in it because I don't have the EpiPen and I was like oh yeah. this is going to come back later and I was really proud of myself being like oh I see they've, did, yeah. they've, they've mentioned that because that kid's going to eat a nut and die later <laughs> or, yeah. or something um, the phrase so yeah. eat a nut and die <laughs> <laughs> Not used often enough, I think. Um, no, you clearly haven't played Call of Duty as much as I have. <laughs> Eat my nuts and die. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely thought that um, it was really well set up and really gradually paced it mm. um, to the point where by the time it gets really intense and really terrifying, you're just sitting there on the edge of your seat and you have no idea where all this terror came from. The last time I was this scared in a film, it was Gone Girl. Yeah. And it was the bit where <laughs> she kills... The last time I was this scared in a film, it was Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember this. It's when she kills uh, Edward, whatever his name is, with a scalpel. She just fucking stabs him. I don't remember well enough, for sure. Yeah. Middle, uh, midway through cowgirl having sex with him and she murders him with a scalpel. Yeah, no, I do remember. And it's that, yeah. absolutely fucked. It's most- <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert out of nowhere for God Girl. If someone's, someone, you know, it's someone went to the shops today, went to JB Hi-Fi, picked up the groceries, went, God Girl. Oh, it's, it's in the bargain yeah, bin at JB. Sorry. I haven't. I've retrospectively I, I really, really fucked that film for you. I, I really, I've always meant to watch this. You know what? And they sat home and they got in the DVD player and they're like, no, you know what? I'll cook dinner. I'll pop on an episode of Beef Station. Yep. Those crazy I'll beef boys have released first. a new episode. Yep. I'll listen to that. And, oh, no, nah, sorry. In which they've clearly really articulated that they're talking about only four films, <laughs> exactly. four films only. And they're definitely not talking about Gone Girl. Well, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was is... the most scared I've been in a se- Well, not, yeah. not scared, but just like, I don't know, on the edge of my seat, kind of of like mm. being like, what did I just watch? And like, it's definitely one of the most surprising moments in film since you find out that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father at the end of episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. Um, well, what about especially that? Especially from my early years in the 70s. Yeah, or like really shocking, like when you find out that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time at the end of a Sixth Sense. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, the title for this podcast, there's like eight movies. What's, man. It's a callback to... <laughs> A callback to your solo when young solo fucks a young layer in the <laughs> non-canon. 
<laughs> no one counted an episode of that. Young, young Solo fucks Young Leia sounds like such a half-ass porn parody title. No, that's like, my that's the play that I'm working on. <laughs> be more interesting to have like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fantasy world, man. You can make it like Young Solo fucks Old Leia. No, no, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> um, I keep it canon. There were lots of shots in, just jumping straight back into it, there were lots of shots in Hereditary that were so cool and really did recall the idea that it's sort of from the perspective of this woman who makes the miniatures. Yeah, yeah. Specifically calling to mind was the the shot at the funeral where you see the coffin get lowered down into the ground and then then the the camera camera goes down into the ground and it's like a little cross section. That was really cool. Yeah. and there's there's a part of my brain, and I thought this halfway through the film, where I was like, yeah. oh, there's so much symbolism in this, that mm. and, and really high-quality symbolism. <laughs> they're not forcing shit on you. Yeah. It's not there's like... actually some stuff that I wrote down that I meant to Google and haven't, but... Yeah, but... All the I, stuff I, I was don't even mean... I don't English even mean... class was... Like, they were learning about Heracles and Sophocles, and this yeah, film yeah, feels yeah. smart enough that I'm sure that's probably related somehow Oh, 100%. Film. But so even things like... you can just look that up on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want intelligent, deep analysis, <laughs> you're not going to find it here, buddy. <laughs> no, like it's things like right. So we've established the unreliable narrator, or, or the fact that they're that we're looking at different perspectives. Yeah. So when the camera is buried with the remains of the grandmother yeah. or the the person's mother, I guess whatever it is. Yeah. Obviously, we the audience are being buried too. And I wondered whether or not that was kind of whose perspective or are we there? Why are we really being sure. buried too? Is it because the mother is feeling like a part of her Tony Collette is feeling like a part of her is going into the ground too? Yeah. Obviously later we we learn that there is that kind of like supernatural connection and that, that that's not just an emotional thing. But you know, there's again, there's so much symbolism in this film that yeah. I thought, fuck, I want to watch this again. And then immediately I was like, I'm never watching this film again <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah, no, there's think- no way that is lost to me yeah. because I'm, as much as I want to know about it, I'll watch an analysis video. I'm never watching this fucking film again in my entire life. I said before, I think this is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my Absolutely, entire life. without a doubt. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, like, it seems like it was exactly tailored to be scary to me. Like, there's a lot of stuff that was, like... Really? You got a really egocentric view of the target audience of this film, mate. No, he called me. He called <laughs> yeah. me, like, years ago. Like, hey, and I, boy, it's dude, Ari. I'm making a film that's really going to fuck you up. I didn't know where it was going from, but he, I got this weird call, and it was one of those, like, telemarketers or something, and it was like, can you just give me a list of your greatest fears <laughs> uh, and insecurities? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, mental illness, demons, and the dark. And he's like, great. <laughs> see you in three years. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Like, no, there was a lot of stuff. Like, you know, everyone used to be scared of shit in the dark when you were a kid. Um, I find, okay. But, but there was the- a lot of that stuff where, like, the lights are kind of out and you're not sure whether something at the end of your bed is like someone's face or not and you yeah. flick the lights on and it's not there. Yeah. There was a lot of that stuff in this movie but they don't flick the lights on. They just keep you fucking no, terrified yeah, it's for just, two it hours. It just stays in the dark. Um, it's crazy. But I think yeah. it's interesting that you that you sort of that parts of that resounded so strongly with you because I think oh. um, something <laughs> that I find really terrifying and actually part of this was done through Tony Collette um, because she's a fucking scary looking lady and I'm not sure if it was just this film or but she oh, it kind of looks like a she has a face that looks back. like a skull yeah yeah. so she there are some specific perspectives where you sort of went Ooh. I have a real <laughs> two things really resounded with me in a in a terrifying sense in this film one is <laughs> one was the demonic shit the other was Tony Collette's face no people, often the same thing people staring into the camera and looking terrified mm. is inherently terrifying because obviously you're, you're, biologically your brain is like yeah. you should be scared of something like the bit where snaps and suddenly she's covered in that liquid and her eyes are all yeah fuck yeah it's crazy 
but there's a lot of the in this film. There is a lot of where where we know something is happening behind the audience because the character in front of us, whose face we're looking at, is really being focused on. Yeah, uh, and that's terrifying. Have you ever? Okay, this is a weird question, but have you ever <laughs> gone? To the bathroom in the middle of the night and like, I don't know, not turn the Never. lights on or, or turn the lights on. Shut up. Oh. <laughs> turn the lights on or whatever, but looked at yourself in the mirror and like kind of scared yourself by looking at yourself. Have you ever done that? <laughs> no. It sounds like a bit of a fucked question, but have you ever looked at your own? Okay. My, my, Try this when, when I got point. When I got that cat and it was a kitten and it saw its reflection for the first time, it did that. Right. But no, no. Well, that's not what I'm going for. <laughs> um, but seriously, I think it's quite unnerving to be looking at your own face and have it. <laughs> this just sounds like I, like I don't find I, myself particularly pleasant I, to look at. I feel at. like the sort of horror movie that um, you'd be really scared by is a completely is different a kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrecked me for you. There. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, boy. There's something I, I, I'm not quite sure how to describe it, and Clearly. maybe maybe this is a bit of a maybe this is just me. Yeah, um, but I think <laughs> no, you, it, could, you had some problems, boy. If you, I, I don't know. I remember like, and I I used to do it a lot more when I was younger. But I would like look in the mirror, and I would I would widen my eyes, and I would actually physically begin to appear scared, and then scare myself. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's really strange, but it does. It felt similar in that I was looking at something, be terrified, and I was imagining me in a situation where that expression would be on my face, which must have been a really scary situation. (laughs) You're like, well, my face is doing that. I might as well trust myself, and you just scare yourself. Yeah, it was like that's what I would look like if I was terrified. And then I thought, what would terrify me? People are going to think we're psychos. This is going to be where we hear our downloads. Don't worry. You've you've clearly. Clearly stated for the record that you have never experienced this fucking phenomenon. So, yeah, I think you're clear on that one. As long as people leave this a podcast knowing that I'm the normal one. Yeah, that's right. And oh, I do good. fucked shit when I go to the bathroom at night. Uh, to, like, what? stand there in the dark for fucking 20 seconds. Yeah, th- two things. is I think seeing someone's face is really unnerving, but also just, like, I don't know, there's something... It's kind of viscerally scary about some of the the way that people's features and reactions are on screen in this film. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure what quality it is. There's different I think it's things... the features and the way their face is shown visually in this film. Mm. And um, <laughs> and well, it's really interesting that you should say that because um, it's what I was just fucking saying. The, the, this film has a really interesting cinematic quality to it where I feel like it's 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 kind of... Um, sometimes it feels like a photograph to look at and sometimes it feels like a painting. And mm. it's, it's very... It's the lighting... And it's the composition of the shots, but they all are really... I don't know what the... I, I, I don't really know the right way to describe it other than, Good. like, photographic is is a strange... Uh, that's the word that I wrote down. Um, because it didn't necessarily mm. feel... It felt better than most movies feel on a yeah. screen to look at. Well, I think it's funny you say that because the interesting thing about the way that movies are all made is that it's all just photos 24 times a second, every second, forever. And edit. <laughs> I yeah, I couldn't think of anything because my entire body was rolling in size. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's that's one for the big tigs fans. Speaking of uh, speaking of rolling your eyes, we had a very vocal bunch of elderly people in this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did. The least scary thing about uh, about hereditary like, is the people in the audience. It sounded like the the, the oldest woman ever. Just they just had no idea what she was going. These in people for. were like at least. 
75. Like, but they were she, old. They weren't even screaming. It was just a lot of, like, the most fucked thing would happen on screen, and she'd just sort of go, oh, dear. Yeah, it was it <laughs> well, was, was this, <laughs> like, unnecessary verbal input <laughs> to what is a one-way process. Like, almost like a, oh, don't go in there. Yeah, it was in a process sort of shit. Like, uh, to, again, like, spoiler alert, someone gets their fucking head knocked off. Yeah. It's very, very <laughs> visual. It clearly happens. And she goes... Oh well, that's not good. <laughs> well, like the father was immediately like, afterwards. The father was like stressed out. And he was like sitting on the bed, sort of like putting painkillers out of the bottle to his hand or something. Yeah, and sort of so put one and then pour out Valium. two and yeah. pour out three. And she she suddenly goes, "Oh well, don't take them all." Yeah. <laughs> no, last time I did that, I ended up on the street, and the police had to take me home. I can tell you from personal experience that that's not a good that's not a good idea. You imagine shouldn't how, be taking that many drugs. Imagine how annoying it would be to be watching a film and then have to listen to people just talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah, but the difference is that we don't podcast. During the fucking film, we should and podcast during the film. Here's, we should actually do togalongs. I think that'd be great. But <laughs> if you have a fucking pneumonia cough, don't go and see a film. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that happened. I, he was at least die. twenty times during the film. It was so <laughs> annoying. And then they fucking got up and they went and bought <laughs> crinkly food. They were like, yeah, just five empty plastic bags, thanks. Yeah, thanks. And I'm just gonna <laughs> shove them in my mouth one by one. <laughs> That's what it sounded like from a row in front. Um, Unfucking believable. So you know, I thought that's what you were going when you were saying you'd love to go. I thought that's what you were going when you were saying you'd love to go and see it again sometime. No, it's just just so you could see it. Just so I could see it. And then there was some family having a domestic people. outside the cinema. Oh yeah. Was, oh my god. Not, and I think it's a real testament to this film that I still found it enjoyable and it wasn't completely ruined by these fucking people around <laughs> us. But no, it was still yeah, it was still great. All in all, I think Hereditary was great. Fant- it had, um, absolutely fantastic. One of the most beautifully shot films. I think if it wasn't... Not just shot. In, in just every put together. Oh, another thing that was really interesting. Sorry, yeah? I know you're probably no, yeah. doing a bit of a tie-up. But, no, no, no. Um, the soundtrack of this film is really fucking interesting. Because if you look at something like the soundtrack of Killing of a Sacred Deer, it's very ambient, kind of like classical soundtrack setting like where it's it's tone yeah and yeah. a lot of the time they use string instruments right mm. i think to do that yeah um killing of a sacred deer is very much that it it has that kind of like upper class bourgeois kind of aesthetic to it and yeah. i think they use a lot of like cellos and and violins in the soundtrack yeah um there's also obviously digital aspects but predominantly <laughs> the sound that i remember is is the yeah. strings right? yeah, yeah, yeah but in this film actually i don't think the soundtrack had any analog instruments it was basically just electronic bass I'd, rumbling. I definitely remember there was some really synthetic fuzz kind of noise. Yeah, crack. it was very clearly digital. Yeah. It wasn't trying to be any kind of instrument that you would recognize in real life. Yeah. Like it was this, and it was really interesting because I I would have if I if you'd asked me going in like right what kind of this is it gonna, what, what what kind, kind of, of soundtrack music is going to go for? Yeah. yeah, I would have said oh it's probably orchestral stuff. Yeah. you know it's meant to be that scary, unnerving like strings like. Going in yeah. the background, none of that type of shit. It used the sound of the film in the same way that it used all other aspects of the film. Is yeah. it, it, it? It meant to disorient you. It meant to be reflective of the experience of the character at all points yeah. in time. It was just really well put together. It's, it's just it's another well another example yeah. of a film where everything is really has been a lot of thought put into it, and yeah. it's been lovingly put together for a singular purpose. Yeah. And I think I really think the most important part of this film was the way he played with perspective and the way that he sort of. Mm made you feel unnerved and really never sure whether what you were watching was part of what's actually happening in yeah. the story or part of something happening in a character's mind. Yeah. And I think that if you if you still have listened and you don't really care about the film, definitely go watch it. It was so well put together. If you... 
it was just the scariest thing I've ever seen, and I never want to relive it again. Because honestly, <laughs> I, I, I'd probably say like go and see it. Yeah. Because I think it was excellent. Mm. But there's this thing that always happens when I go to see a horror film where I I I buy the ticket and I go, <laughs> I hear about it, and I think that's it. You started you started way too early in the timeline. No, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. That's the thing. Because the I process hunt around that for I, a car park. The I'll process go. that I go through every single time is I hear about the film, I think, oh, that sounds great. Buy the ticket, I go. I'm sitting in the cinema. I sit my little fanny down on that seat. <laughs> And I watch the ads. Everything's fine. I watch the opening title thing. Everything's With such fine. confidence, you're like, I'm going to be fine. This is just a horror movie. I'm an adult. No, Pictures I'm not thinking about it. Me. My brain's just not on, apparently. Yeah. Because then the first thing happens <laughs> and it kind of freaks me out a little so bit. Go, and then I think, what am I doing here? Yeah. Why did I do this to myself? Again, mm. every single time I see a horror film, yeah. I regret it in a minute. I, and this is... I oh, think I think if it wasn't for the fact that we were going to do this episode, I might have walked out, dude. I was really. Uh, it was re- yeah. is that bad? Yeah, no Pat good. said the same thing. Yeah, he said no, there was. I, a, he was. He said it's the closest he's ever been to walking out of a, a film because he couldn't handle it. Not yeah, because no, he I, didn't I enjoy almost it. I almost walked out of the film. Man. Yeah, I was really uncomfortable. Yeah, the whole time. it's 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 intense. Great. Um, but it's still irrespective of us not being too big fans of horror, was great. this is one to probably yeah. go and see. Honestly, and I, th- I think I think it is difficult recommending horror films because you can't. They're enhanced when you know nothing about it. And I think yeah. that if I'd known anything about this movie, I think it would have kind of ruined it. But also, yeah, I guess there's yeah. no twist. In the same way, it's like even really? in a qu- yeah, well, like in, in this quiet- film, so there's nothing to spoil. Well, like it's reveals. just it's about yes, that's true. And like in a quiet, but it's more pl- about the experience well, of actually seeing the whole yeah, film, well, right? It's like in a quiet place. Like if you knew that the premise was that there's a monster that's sensitive to sound, that would kind of ruin the first half an hour because yeah, yeah, yeah. it comes as a total surprise when they were doing it. Yeah, it comes as a total surprise when that's initially revealed. And yeah. God, I wish I could remember. There was a film we were talking about recently in one of the past episodes where that was the same kind of thing where if you sort of explain what the film is about, it almost kind of ruins it. But you have to explain what it's about to get anyone to actually watch it, yeah, which is yeah, a shame yeah. with like, you know, modern day marketing and all that. Yeah, fucking two minute trailers. Yeah. Well, Don't, I'm not going to get sorry. I'm not going to talk about it. It makes me so angry. Yeah. I, hate I think we've talked about Hollywood like in every episode <laughs> so far. Yeah, I've been way less skeptical in this episode than I usually yeah, am. Yeah, I'm proud of you, boy. Yeah. This is a big step for you. No, I like being skeptical. It's just that these mm. were great films that I felt were genuinely made with love. Because, <laughs> I mean, maybe not it. That's yeah. a little bit. That's yeah. what it is, I think. But, oh, yeah. Was there some, before we wrap it up, were there a couple of little reviews you wanted to get oh, through? Oh, yeah, we okay. Can... We've, got two, we've got two real sizzlers so can... of uh, two real sizzlers of reviews. So of... we can make fun of some other people's opinions for Movies a bit. that we've had. Yeah. Okay. So this one, this first one is a review uh, by Sarah Stewart for the New York Post, mm-hmm. the entertainment section. She gives the film... Putting Ocean's 8 in the entertainment section is a bit rich if you ask yeah, me. Am I right, right, boy? That's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's our review. So she's given Ocean's 8... Two stars out of four, mm-hmm. which I think... Two stars too many, if you ask me, Sarah. I think that's very generous, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, actually, no, it's not generous because that film was just... <laughs> that film was just fucking average. Yeah. It was the most yeah. average film I've seen If only there was some way that you could represent an average... <laughs> four stars is a weird rating system. Yeah, it is. It? When something's weird. rated out of four stars, it was like, what, does... I don't know, does someone have the rights to the five-star rating I system? I don't know. Well, I think the reason... So this, that, like Margaret Pomerantz and David Stratton will fucking yeah. The right, tits yeah. off you if you give <laughs> if you take a five star rating. Margaret Pomerantz isn't dead. No, oh. no. Poor so Margaret Pomerantz. I reckon the reason this film got two stars is because they were like one star. No, that's too harsh. Three stars. It's definitely not three. Stars. <laughs> three stars is seventy five percent. That's a distinction. Yeah, man. I guess it's got to be two. That's the problem with four stars. That's not enough resolution. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, uh, she starts off, and I'll, I'll I won't I won't read all of this, but um, she starts off. 
like we've, a cubic... We've, transit- we've transitioned into our part of the podcast, which is really more like a service. Send in links. We'll read them out on air. Yeah, the, 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 um, the reading section. <laughs> the reading uh, section. Like a cubic zirconia knockoff of a priceless diamond necklace, this female Oceans update looks the part, but just ain't got that sparkle. Oh! Fucking got him. Take that. Got him. Um, the second review that we've got, which is a real fucking sizzler. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed this guy's name. Hold up. So, killing of a sacred deer. <laughs> I've gone to the user reviews on Metacritic. For those of you who, who aren't familiar with it, uh, killing of a sacred deer directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> this, this comes from user Lanthimos sucks. <laughs> One word. <laughs> so so all, already we know that this is going to come from an objective place. Oh yeah. He says it's all written in caps. So let me she. let me just read it out to you as I imagine that it with the writer intended. <laughs> Complete waste of time. Only hippies like that shit. Rather stare at a oh, wall. Shit is and... censored, by the way. Rather stare at a wall than watch this thing again. Friggin' hippies and their con film festivals. And yes, I made this account just to say this. Yeah, we Lan- know. <laughs> Lanthimos is bad, and all you hippies liking this supposedly poetic and tragic piece of shit just wanted to again, feel censored. special, unique, sophisticated, and artistic with a better taste in movies. You troglodytes. Peasants. Peasants. <laughs> Just going to watch Goodfellas to wash my eyes, lad. <laughs> oh, shit. And then he transitions into lad. His, his brain has melted. He's actually just written gibberish. <laughs> all right. So I reckon this just shows that we at Beef Station know what we're talking about. All right? Yeah. So don't don't look up any other reviews. We already do all the hard work for you. We know that what we're saying is objective fact. I think this shows that we're, we're pros. No need to improve the quality of this commentary any more than it currently is because no. clearly we've got our finger on the pulse of society. Yeah, and I think this gentleman's brain was melted before he wrote this review and not afterwards. Take that! You don't mess with the beef station, boys! <laughs> okay. Um, does that, is that going to do us for, for this week? I think that'll do Great. us. We've, yeah. done our, we've done our signature takedown piece right we at the end. We shit ourselves for you guys at home. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've got any feedback, feel free to come up to us in the street and let us know because let's face it, I think most most of you are probably just know us and are still being forced to just listen to this. Friends, yeah. Thank you for listening. It's been yeah. great to get feedback about it. I'm glad yeah, everyone's it. enjoying it. Um, if you have any ideas for episodes you want us to do... Yeah, um, so we'll just... make an email address. It'll probably be beefstationpod nah, at there. gmail.com. <laughs> we'll put it in the description. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely let us know. Say hello. Thanks for listening. Right in anywhere. Yeah. Once again, I've been Oscar. I'm Andrew. Stay beefy. Lies,